0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum ten dollars per order. Additional terms apply. Ron, is there anything else that you think they need or could use?
1: More Mark Grody.
2: It's Mark Grody. I, 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 Mark Grody.
1: You think I'm stupid? You, 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 you switch the samples so you can make. You falsified your research to make... What what is it? Provasic? It's Mark Grody. He found the coffee and he crapped his pants. It's Grody time! time! Yeah!
2: It's Mark Grody on 670 The Score, a radio.com sports station.
1: Yo! I get to be with you until 8.10 tonight on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score, at which time it is the Cubs and San Francisco Giants in Game 2 of a four-game series. Hope you are all well and feeling as energized as I am on a hot Friday in Chicago just because things are, you know, things are good, right, in a in a relative way as the world comes back together as, you know, summer in Chicago, there will be some semblance of it and a big part of Chicago summers are baseball and the baseball is just really good on both sides of town. I'm Mark Grody. I am accessible to you at 312-644-6767. Phone and text. Either way you want to communicate. I always love your calls but I totally understand if you just want to text. I get it. 312-644-6767. Your point will be made more clear, though, if you actually call at 312-644-6767. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. We could play in all sorts of different areas of social media if you would like. First hour tonight, I will be talking a lot of baseball, specifically the Cubs and the Sox. Second hour is football and Bears and... I have on tonight former Detroit Lions head coach Marty Morningweg. He's gonna be on at seven o'clock tonight. He has been doing a a podcast called Camp Marty, where he he breaks it down and he has had on a couple he's only done three of the podcasts, but he's had some pretty damn big time guests, one of those being Steve Young and another being Michael Vick. But we will have Marty Morningweg on. To talk about Justin Fields and what he thinks about what, what what needs to go into, in this day and age, in 2021, in developing a young, talented quarterback, how fast they should play, what his philosophy is on that, because Morningweg, who, and I know, Bears fans right now, you're sitting there, you're like, Marty, Marty what? he did not have success as a head coach of the Detroit Lions, there's no doubt about that, but who really has? In the overall, though, don't let that screen you from the fact that Morningweg has has had a very successful career on the overall working with San Francisco, working as, with Philadelphia as OC and quarterbacks coach. He's a bit of a quarterback whisper and has immense respect around the NFL. So we'll dig into some of what Marty thinks about Justin um, Fields and just in general developing young quarterbacks. And we'll, I also want to ask about Mitchell Trubisky and what he thought about his blast of a time with the Bears. And I don't mean that necessarily in the good way when I say blast. So lots to chit-chat with Marty Morning about coming up at 7 o'clock uh, tonight right here on the score. The Cubs at San Francisco tonight. Again, 8.45 is when the game will start. Love that start time, by the way. It's better than like the 9.10s and the 9.30s. 8.45 is when the first pitch will be thrown. It's Jake Arrieta against Scott Casimir. The Cubs still in a pretty good spot at 32 and 24 there. One and a half up on the St. Louis Cardinals in the in the National League Central right now. However, the system broke down last night. They, The Cubs did not... Did I not go through setting up the template for the Chicago Cubs to, to keep on dominating this year? I set up the template last night. And basically... Just the very simple synopsis of the plan. Get the ball to the bullpen. That has been the successful area for the Cubs this year. The bullpen, the offense, the defense. Starting pitching still average. But the system broke down last night just as I was getting comfortable with it. Giants fifth inning last night. David Ross pulls Zach Davies with one out and two on. And lefty Rex Brothers enters the game. Gives up a three-run homer to fellow lefty Brandon Crawford on a 3-0 count just like that. It was 5-2 San Francisco. That's one of those moments, too. Although it was in the fifth inning, you just knew the game was over, didn't you? If you were watching that game late night, last night, you just knew. I mean, three runs doesn't seem like it's insurmountable. But sometimes, like especially on the West Coast and against a good team and that big of a hit in that situation after that move was made, you knew the game was over, and it was totally true. Um, You know, Davies looked okay, as always, just okay. In the second, he allowed that RBI hit to Crawford, who was a real problem last night, then retired the next three. So he wiggled out of some early trouble. I thought he would last a little bit longer. But I like the plan that that David Ross has set forth. Unfortunately, I mean, what are you going to do? He put in the lefty Rex brothers hoping to get some action against Crawford. But Crawford is so good and smart and all of that. And wrong pitch, wrong time. To the wrong guy, so the Cubs do lose the first to four. I hate it when teams lose the first of of in a four game series. It's it's similar to me to losing the the first game of a doubleheader. It just sucks. It just you you got to win that first game of a four game series. I do want to ask Cubs fans it, a question though: Are you watching Cubs games differently now than you were say a month ago? Do you feel a, a different urgency as you're watching this team or Is it all sort of dessert at this point? Like you didn't think that they would be where they are. So you're just kind of enjoying it. And if the, if they come back down to earth and they, fall to the middle of the pack or whatever the case may be it it doesn't matter because this is not what you expected but are you stress watching the cubs or or is this just immensely enjoying because it's it hasn't been expected 312 6767 is the number i'm watching it and i get it my perspective is different because i come at it from a media perspective i am coming at it from a very strategic point of view at this point i'm watching very closely what david ross is doing moves he's making the lineups that he is putting forth because it's still going to take despite the fact that the cubs have played really well lately really well the 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 sweep over san diego was terrific it's in a lot of cases still there is maximum effort being made by this cubs team to get to where they are like it, it's not coming easy and again some of that is because of the fact that the bullpen is as, as brilliant as they've been they've had to grind out these games for the cubs you know and and Uh, I know that's the only way because they have average starting pitching. But So I'm watching it from that perspective and enjoying it too because I think David Ross is showing me that he knows what he's doing. And that's not surprising because he knew what he was doing when he was a catcher, and that's why he was sort of – thought of as potential managerial material while he was still playing. I mean, when you have one of the best pitchers in the modern era, John Lester, wanting you to be the personal catcher, then that's all you need to know about the prowess that Ross had as a player and his skills in knowing his personnel. So that that's carried over. Sometimes it doesn't, and it has, I think. like David Ross is good at knowing how long to leave in a starting pitcher, he's usually pretty good at putting in the right bullpen piece. I mean, there there is definitely hit and miss that occurs as it does with all managers. There was a miss last night, but I didn't have a problem with Rex Brothers going into the game at that point. So, and he's gotten production out of guys that no one expected the Cubs to to get production out of this year, Patrick Wisdom. This is the Patrick Wisdom Like, part of the season. (laughs) Like, he's probably not going to play a big part by the time August rolls around, unless everything crumbles for the Cubs. But you look back and be like, oh, yeah, man, the the Patrick Wisdom, you know, part of the season and fill in the blank with no-name player, they've all definitely played a big part in it. But 3 one 44 67 67 how are you watching Cubs games right now? Just pure enjoyment, stressfully. Are you on the roller coaster? 3-1-2-6-44-67-67. Jock Peterson cranked a two-run homer last night. Everything that he hits right now, like, and for a long time, even before he started hitting the ball out of the park again, like, when he was ramping it back up, after he came off the deal after sucking to begin the season, like everything he was hitting, like he was hitting like hard singles to opt to the opposite field and pulling. And now he's hitting the ball out of the ballpark. So it's really nice that that is back on for the Chicago Cubs right now. He, he, he does swing at a lot of bad pitches. I will say that about Jock Peterson. He's like, he's like lefty Javier Baez. In some, like, like, watch, like, just watch Jock. And he's been hitting the ball lately, but he he's cool with a good, good swing and miss at this point. 312 644 67 67 is the number. And then Dylan Maples again. Oh, Dylan Maples. So he's 29 years old these days. And I was thinking to myself about him because he's always been the guy, like, packed with potential because of the the stuff you know the stuff guy the slider and it's you know he's contributing at the at the major league baseball level for sure but he's never quite lived up to what i think a lot of us thought he was going to be but let's not forget that dylan maples maybe i forgot maybe i needed to remind myself he's a 14th round pick in 2011, and I did the math today because I was like, wasn't he a Jim Hendry guy? Yeah, barely. I think he was in the last draft of Jim Hendry before Theo Epstein came in because he was drafted in 2011. That was Jim Hendry's last year. The draft happens during the season. Theo Epstein hired in October of 2011. So, so yeah, that's like... That's like a rare thing right now. You have Baez as a holdover from the Henry era. You have Epstein. Or Epstein. Um, Dylan Maples as a carryover. But yeah, he he's one of those guys and he's he's twenty nine years old, so like he the like the prospect hope is out of him, but who knows? Who knows? He's a bullpen guy, so maybe when he's thirty two he'll be great and he'll save fifty games. Who knows? Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. All right, let us get to some of these calls now. Keith in Champagne. Keith, you are on the score. How are you? What's
3: happening, Mr. Grody? How are
1: you this evening? I am well. How are you, Keith? I'm good. Hey,
3: I'm just kind of watching this team as much as I love seeing how well they're playing, I'm kind of waiting for that June swoon that we're used to as Cubs fans um, and seeing if that's going to happen. And if not, if if ownership and management is going to spend the money to retain guys like KB and Riz and Contreras and Javi, or are we just going to play this year out and let them walk?
1: Yeah, I mean, that is the billion-dollar question for sure, Keith. And, and June, like, it's it's made for swoon. You used the word swoon and I use the word gauntlet because that's what the schedule is for the Cubs. I mean they passed the the San Diego portion of the test. So they, they sweep the Padres. That was incredible. They lose the first of a four game series at San Francisco. Then they go to San Diego. So it like it is true. I have a feeling that Jed Hoyer is very interested in and, and and the results of what occurs in this month and then you know he he said way back when that he'd prefer to be a buyer than to be a seller at the trade deadline. and like I said, if they continue to play like they have and it continues to trend like something special is going on, then i'm I'm down with it. but again, it, it is there is a maximum effort feel. To some of these these Cubs wins, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. How are you watching the Cubs right now? Stressfully, joyfully. Everything is dessert at this point, or just like you always do. Let's go to Joe in Naperville. Joe, you're on the score with Grody. What's going on?
3: Hey, uh, I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much viewing this season kind of like 2015, but you know we're on the the back end. Like it's a nice surprise. I wasn't expecting much. The only thing I can't keep out of my head as I'm watching you know, Davies blow up and uh, is how much better they'd be with Darvish, and with things opening back up, how much money they, they're going to have again. So we'll yeah. see if one of these prospects uh, hits the jackpot for them, but that's it.
1: All right, man. Joe, drive safely. I appreciate the call from uh, Naperville. 2015, that's not bad. That's not bad because that year was fascinating because they were the cubs were they were just kind of middling up until about the middle of the summer until about July or so where they were a couple games under 500 like not, it it never got away from them obviously they were a couple games under they'd be a few games over they'd be 500 and then all of a sudden it it just sort of happened and, and interestingly enough coincidentally i thought the symbolic series of 2015 occurred in a four-game set against San Francisco at Wrigley Field where they swept that. And San Francisco, I think it was thought of, that they were better than the Cubs at that time or they had had a proven track record they were winning titles every other year they were the damn San Francisco Giants so that was huge and you know you had that Joe Madden thing happening like which occurred in his Tampa Bay days too where his teams would thrive when it counted most. And in 2015, that's exactly what happened. They they just blasted off and never looked back. Oh, until the Mets series. Come on out of the Matt Harvey. Oh, my God. Cindergard and those guys just that. 2015, that was my first year doing Cubs pre and post, and that was a depressing final night at Wrigley Field. I mean, the Mets kicked the Cubs' asses in that in that series. There's no other way to put it. They just dominated them with their, their starting pitching. Um, And so, but that was a year where once you got over, that being swept by the Mets and just being crushed by their starting pitching, you you were able you were allowed to feel good about that year because you knew it was sustained. Like there was there was a lot left on the table and they comported themselves accurately, properly, I should say. In twenty sixteen, when they came out against the Angels, blew them up and just did what they did that whole year. All right, back to twenty twenty one and you also mentioned you Darvish. That's what this always comes back to. You know what I mean? Like I, like I've said to you guys. I'm watching these games and trying to stay present with what I'm watching and break apart what I'm actually seeing in these baseball games instead of looking back or even looking forward, which is which is unavoidable, obviously, because we will do that. But no matter how good it's been, like I probably wouldn't have the template set up exactly the same if you Darvish was here. Um, And I would not have the problem of that. I am always obsessing over who's your starting pitchers in the if the Cubs make the, the playoffs. There's one guy who I think would be capable of doing good things right now. And then you have a guys for a bunch, and and that is Kyle Hendricks. And then you have a bunch of other guys like Albert Al's like, huh, maybe, I mean, he's starting to look better. He's had some moments. Zach Davies, every once in a while, he looks good. Uh, Trevor Williams. Well, he had that one game against Pittsburgh recently where he was good, but you just don't count him as that. And so there's a, when you have one Arietta who pitches tonight, does not look like a starting playoff caliber pitcher right now. So, that's That's got to get rectified, and I think that that would probably be a little bit different if we were talking about you, Darvish, being here. It would be different. And imagine like if they were able to add on with Darvish at the trade deadline. If you had you, Darvish, and Kyle Hendricks, and a bunch of other guys, you probably could have added a pitcher at the trade deadline. But that's painful to keep going back down this this road. Um, Mark, don't you think fans need to let the phrase June swoon go? (laughs) That reference is when there were no lights, only day games. And when summer weathered games during summer months, I did not know that I, I am willing to, as I sit here right, I am willing to let that particular word go away. Uh, but I did not realize that. So thanks for teaching me. Eight one five. Hey Mark, look at me, Mark. If the Cubs are like eight games up at the trade deadline approaches, will you still want to trade some of these guys? Nope. Uh, from the six three zero. Hey Grody, remember the other day when you said Hendricks hasn't been so good this year? What was his ERA last month? I don't know. I don't know. I just know he's do. Things are happening like where I think is. Didn- didn't he give up three home runs in his most recent start? I don't like that. I don't like that. Like Kyle Hendricks is not supposed to give up home runs. Look, I said Kyle Hendricks is a starting it, like he's a number one in the postseason. Like he's earned that. He he's shown us that he could do that. So he just hasn't been as good this year yet as as he's been in the past. 312, 644, 67, 67 is the number. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh let's talk about the White Sox and I've got a few things on my mind, one of them being your mean Mercedes. And something that I want White Sox fans to think about during the break, and we'll, we'll take your calls on this or your text messages as well. What is the part of this team that you have enjoyed the most? What have you enjoyed the most about this White Sox team this year? It's different. I think this answer will be different from what it was last year when you had some obvious things that were enjoyable. This year, it's different. I want to get into that next on the White Sox. We're talking Bears at 7 o'clock with the former Detroit Lions head coach, Marty Morningweg. I am here with you until... The start of Cubs free game with Zach Zayman at 810 Cubs and Giants. Grody here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
4: Okay, let's do it.
0: This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago
1: Sports Station. Go White Sox. I have some hilarious Ozzie Guillen stuff from the postgame show last night. (laughs) it's it's mean but like it's so funny like just a little tease because you'll hear it shortly it it deals with ozzy Gian and Dan cooper so it is particular like if you've noticed when ozzy guin talks about Dan cooper it's always funny and it's always like borderline mean but uh, we'll, we'll hear that here in just a little bit. Uh, talking Bears and Justin Fields in 30 minutes from now at 7 o'clock, I will be joined by former Detroit Lions head coach Marty Morningweg he's, he's hosting a quarterback podcast, and so we'll get his thoughts on developing young quarterbacks and what his thoughts on Justin Fields are and whether he should play September 12th in Los Angeles against the Rams. I'm looking very forward to hearing... We're getting Marty's insights here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy The Score in just a little bit. I am here with you till eight ten tonight when it is the Cubs at San Francisco. So White Sox fans, the White Sox host Detroit tonight in about uh, forty minutes from now. Dallas Keuchel against old Spencer Turnbull. Actually, he's been very good for Detroit. 293 ERA. Keuchel has been okay, 453, heading into this game. But I asked you the question before the break: 312, 44 67, 67. What is the part of this team, this White Sox team, that you've enjoyed the most? And last year there were some like really obvious answers because you had. An MVP in the making, and then another guy on the team last year who was getting recognition at times for MVP. You had Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson, like a couple of no doubt about it. And then you had Luis Robert doing exciting things until he kind of hit a wall towards the end of the season. You had Aloy Jimenez being Aloy Jimenez, like there, like it was sort of like pick your favorite of the thumpers last year for the White Sox. But this has been a A different year where like if I'm answering that question like one of my favorite parts of this year is that the White Sox have allowed Andrew Vaughn to play most of the time and that we're seeing like a methodical perfect development of a of a baseball player at the big league level like we're all seeing it in real time like the struggles that he that he did go through for a while and now we're starting to see the talent, see the pedigree, see why he was a first-round pick. It's kind of like, oh yeah, okay, because we all want it right away. And the way he started, I was like, what? What is you know what Andrew Vaughn just going to single his way to you know in in a White Sox uniform? Is that what we're looking? He's going to be like an average left fielder. But no, we've seen him like turn into a decent outfielder he's a hell of a hitter. He is very much is in command when he steps into the box. You know, the velocity off his bat is, is superb and he is starting to power the baseball. So that revelation, I don't know if it's a revelation because he was a first round pick and there are expectations on him, but it's kind of fun to watch a guy develop and see it happen properly and see it happen slowly, you know, kind of the way it's probably supposed to happen. Um, Lance Lynn has been great to watch this like talk about a guy talk about making the right move in your starting rotation rick on getting that guy in there lance lynn has been a a perfect addition to the white Sox rotation so those guys and then michael kopech too and i know it's weird to say well he's injured but god has he been good like just like every time he's come in, you how comfortable do you feel when he's had the baseball? Like 100% comfortable. So those three guys stand out to me. Who stands out to you? What is the the part of this White Sox team that you have enjoyed the most? Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. We'll start with Daniel in Highland Park. Hi, Daniel. You are
2: on the score. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I think that it's the entire entertainment package. There are so many areas that are fun, including. Stone and Benetti. I Mm -hmm. just love watching it, listening to them and there's always a story we can hit. Almost anyone has a chance of hitting great pitching, even though we're going to go ups and downs during a year it's what happens. But I've been I've been watching the Sox since Fox and Aparicio, for heaven's sakes, I'm 77.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You sound younger and I'm not just saying that, man. You sound good. (laughs) Well, so far, so good, you know.
2: Yeah, Uh, but it's just that I have not seen the whole entertainment package that it's fun to watch even into the booth.
1: Well, good for you, man. That's a good answer, Daniel, the entertainment package. And I will say this about specifically Jason Benetti. Like, there, there is a thing that exists in announcers called cookie cutter. Like, there's cookie cutter announcers. Like, they're not bad. They, they give you what's in front of you, and they they don't insult your sensibilities, but there's no, there's no, like, twist of personality. Jason Benetti is not a cookie cutter. Like, he is, like, far from it. Like, he—and he, some people like him, some people don't. Some people like the stuff that they try, and I always respect that. Like, Benetti and Stone— try stuff like do stuff sometimes it's it's hit or miss. i'm not a fan of socks math but i know that there's a lot of people that like socks math they try stuff and that that's what i like and he ain't no cookie cutter so so good on them for that and steve stone is steve stone who we're going to hear from here in just a second but first i got bob and joliet hi bob you're on the score
3: hey mark thanks for taking my call sure i just wanted to yeah the the Chicago White Sox togetherness uh, of the team is very exciting to me. I take the Rock Island in during the week. Uh, there's tons of people with swag, uh, meaning hats, uh, masks, uh, mm-hmm. backpacks, shirts. I mean, it's it's very exciting. I've never felt uh, this about Chicago baseball in a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, Te- friends and I are texting during the game on the weekends. Uh, I'm in financial services. I talk with people in uh, New York. Uh, they're excited about the Mets and Yankees. It's just it's just a great uh, I'm a baseball fan and it's just a great time uh, right now for MLB. And also secondly, I'm most excited about Joe Madden being out of town. that wino needed to leave and uh, smug. <laughs> Bob, you're doing so well. Bob. Bob, you still there? I, I hope they finish in last place.
1: <laughs> okay, Bob. <laughs> I, I was like I have had so many like all star calls from Bob and I like I'm thinking as he's talking, I'm like Yeah, this is pretty Bob, good. You know. Yeah, we're Bob and I are doing well. We're doing well and Bob's like making sense and saying talking about unity and entertainment and then Joe Madden's a wife. I work, he works at a financial, I'm like, oh, I'm getting, to, I'm learning about Bob. He's not swearing, uh, like, it's all going really well, and then, the, like, the, I don't even know what that meant, any of it. <laughs> Joe at the wine, because Joe likes wine, and, uh, oh, that was, uh, that was great. I, I, I. I was like really excited there for a second. I was even going to mention something to Bob. I was going to be like, Bob, you and I did really well. No fighting, no shots taken. And there it was. Oh, well. 312, 644, 67. Yeah, whenever, 67. whenever a
2: caller right. kind of veers off and, and mentions, yeah, one more thing, you got to get ready for something. <laughs> Luckily, it wasn't
1: like. There was nothing egregious necessarily. Like what he said, it wasn't like something that needed to be cut out. I don't think it needed to be cut out. Um, but it it was. Let's put it this way. It it was unnecessary. It's like a lot of comments that that, that people make on Twitter, like that are just like complete, like bringing a gun to a knife I Like like that wasn't necessary. Like that that had nothing to do with anything. Like you were just waiting to take a shot at me. Like you know, take take it down a down a level, down a level. Um, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Sox post game is must see TV. Uh, Benetti and Stone are incomparable, and I enjoyed the new radio guy as well. <laughs> uh, I have no idea who you're referring to. I don't know. Uh, but okay. Let Let me do this. Let's have a little fun here, since that's the direction we're. Ha- it's Friday. It's Friday. So <laughs> last night after the the White Sox game, their win, their four one win over Detroit, I, God, I forget the context of why they were talking about it. But anyway, Ozzie Guillen was, they were talking about aptitude levels and smarts and people going to college and people not going to college. And, and <laughs> Ozzie Guillen took this as an opportunity to take a slap at Danku. So take a listen to this here. You
4: know what's funny about this uh, United States school? <laughs> guys can even spell B. They can go graduate from college. Is that what you're saying about Frank? I'd say, by anyone is out there, whoever, if, if the shoes fit, where? <laughs> yes. Like, oh, I graduated from, uh, by the way, I got a manager. <laughs> Alex Cora, graduated from Miami. Yeah. He came and say hello in Spanish. They're like, how you graduated from college? He was like, here's a scholarship. Come forward. to my school. Help uh, us win. I'm, 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 I'm go there. there I will go to some college here in Chicago. Please, I will donate half a million dollars. Give me some degrees. You'll see. see just, it was like that manager, that braids manager, yeah. sneaking behind yeah. the mound at Got you, Ozzy. Hey, I swear to God, I will donate five hundred thousand dollars to a college. If, if I have some diploma. You I, would not. Come on. I bet you like just 40, to get a diploma. You would donate five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, you will see people calling my son like, "Hey, wait, we can talk to Ozzy." Where yeah, we exactly. To Ozzy? Exactly. <laughs> d- d- be an honorary. Somebody can give you an honorary degree. degree. Maybe University of Chicago. Well, they did it That's to, close to the That's right. the close did it, to the ballpark. They did it to Don Cooper, the dumbest man I've ever got <laughs> like. He got a college degree. I'm like, oh my God. Really? Cooper can't even say his his, his grandkids his kids' name. Oh, and he got a college degree. All right, let's go do down. <laughs> I
1: mean. If you're Don Cooper, you, what was that? What? What? Why was that necessary? Don Cooper, uh. the dumbest man I've ever <laughs> in
4: my life. He got a college degree. I'm like, oh my god, really? It's like, look,
1: I'm, I'm I'm not with the organization. Are you not listening? I'm I'm sitting here in Nashville with my dogs and my ducks and my pets and just trying. And and is doing this. Like, what? What's the problem here? Ozzy, like, seriously, think about this. Ozzy Gian and Don Cooper, would be a hilarious comedy tandem because you'd have the quick-witted, just fast in every way, Ozzy Gian just blowing up Cooper with a "Oh, you're too fat," the Don Cooper, and then you'd have Cooper coming back at at Ozzy and all with with all of his New Yorkness and look, Chief, you know what? Don't, I don't want the less of this stuff. Oh, it would be it would be like that is something like just something like put them on remote together like q a's like making this feel real like have those guys when we start when we open up for real don cooper and ozzy Gian like at a remote doing a QA, the ball busting that would go on between those two guys and maybe like ozzy's kids in the audience heckling too <laughs> i mean i think there's there's a lot of different layers to Ozzie Guillen and Don Cooper, and what has been historically a complicated relationship, to say the least. But at this point, it's it's down to Don Cooper simply being the dumbest man alive. Don that is Cooper, just...
4: the dumbest man ever <laughs> in my life. alive
2: <laughs> mean, Cooper, what are you doing? Why? Why? It reminded me of the caller just uh, you know, just a couple of minutes ago. Bob there throwing a shot. Yeah. Right. Like, unnecessary. Like,
1: like, I didn't do anything. I'm trying to stay as far away as possible. I said what I had to say, and now I'm enjoying life, and you're out here calling me the dumbest man in the world. Uh, it's like a few good men with Lieutenant, who what's his name, Rosenberg? No, Weinberg. You, Lieutenant Weinberg. He's like, what did I do? Leave me on it. I'm like the third guy. Tom Cruise is your, you, Lieutenant Weinberg. <laughs> what? 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 Say what again?
2: See, I don't really give a rat's ass.
1: <laughs> see, Ozzie and Don Cooper. Oh my god, they don't have to like each other. Like I like a podcast, maybe those two guys. Oh, that would be, that would be absolutely brilliant. Well,
2: I mean, like not only just the personal beliefs that they have that they would be outspoken about, but also the baseball stuff. I think. They would they would get together right on a lot of things, but the way they clash, I think that would be something definitely worth uh, tuning into.
1: Oh yeah, because it wouldn't be afraid. Especially Ozzy. he would not be afraid to say when Don Cooper was wrong. He'd probably bust him out on like ex pitchers and stuff like that. He like, "Oh yeah, you, you, oh you took credit for Esteban Loaiza? I don't think so." Um, and you know, Cooper could shoot back at Ozzie and the Ozzie Kenny stuff, and oh my god. This is, this has to happen in some way, shape, or form. Um, but anyway, back to uh, wherever we were, whatever we were talking about. Oh yeah, the best part of this Chicago White Sox team, what you have enjoyed the most, and yeah, you know Vaughn, Lynn, Kopeck, it had been, and I think for a lot of people, it had been your mean Mercedes. Uh oh, is it happening? Are we losing them? It's like he's like going underwater all of a sudden. Come back. It's 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 Titanic and Jack is going under when they're trying to save him, it's like, no, no, no. Don't let the fun end. You're mean Mercedes. Over three last night makes him over his last twenty-two, four out of his last forty-four, not getting great contact at this point. Um I will say this. There, I, I have seen a couple of headlines, and this one specifically, this was from Fansided. Um, the headline is, and I'm just using them as an example because this theory has been thrown about, did Tony La Russa put your mean Mercedes in a slump? And as Fansided suggested, La Russa threw him under the bus um, to the media after the swinging at the 3-0 pitch in the the blowout game. And when I hear that I'm like, "No! No, no. Okay, so first of all, anybody that's wondering if Mercedes like has been affected by that, you are accidentally saying that your mean Mercedes is weak in the head. Like he can't handle his manager being mad at him for swinging 3 and 0. Like so that that that's an indictment I think on your mean Mercedes. Secondly, He's a twenty eight year old rookie. Like Mercedes is he has struggled a lot in his baseball life. And this can't be surprising that he's in a slump. I don't think he's gonna fall off the fall off the big league club or anything like that or something crazy. But he might take a seat and may not be as big a part of it, but let's face it. I mean your me Mercedes. There have been struggle as great and as fun and as lovable as as he is and has been, and a great story it has been right from the first two weeks of the season where he was hitting everything. This is still a guy who has had more struggles than the success by a long shot. So, like I like I, I have completely dismissed that Tony Larusa thing. In fact, oh, the Sox showed the the opposite. They they showed resilience because since that day they started kicking butt again and they have the Sox have bounced back from every single challenge that Tony La Russa has put them in or even like getting swept by the Yankees um and then sweeping Baltimore losing two in a row to Cleveland and now they're probably going to sweep the, the the Detroit Tigers so the the White Sox in fact have been the most resilient team in in baseball this year uh From the A47, dude, the whole world is at fault for Mercedes. I don't know what that means. But I read it. I read your text. Is it because the media has
2: given him all that love and unrealistic expectations for the successes that he had early? Oh, okay.
1: Okay, is that how you're interpreting that? Yeah, that's, that's what I got. That could be. And there's no doubt. I mean, like, we were crazy about your main Mercedes, and part of it is body type. There's no doubt. I mean, it's fun to see a huge guy succeed. Um, and it's neat. And like all the swag and everything about him was and is fun. And he, and he didn't mind the, the, the bright lights, you know, he was on the score he was hilarious and fun. And hopefully there is another chapter to be written of success about your mean Mercedes, but to say that somehow Tony LaRusso has anything to do with it, you're just, you're calling him weak. And I don't think your mean Mercedes is weak. Um, he is, (laughs) He's in baseball after fighting to be here for his whole life. He ain't weak. All right, 3, 1, 2, 6 44 67 67. Bears talk coming up at 7 o'clock, including we will have live on this here radio station Marty Morneyweg, the former Detroit Lions head coach, to talk all about Justin Fields and the Bears. Next on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score.
4: Don Cooper, the dumbest man I've ever seen in my life. He got a college degree. i like, oh my God. Really?
0: This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports
1: Station. Mark Arnie back with you on a Friday night here on The Score. 312-644-6767, talking Bears in the 7 o'clock hour right at that time. 7 o'clock, 10 minutes from right now. Talk to the former Detroit Lions head coach, now podcaster, Marty Morniweg, who has spent his career – as a, you know, kind of a quarterback specialist and offensive coordinator and obviously a stint as a head coach. But he, he can get really in-depth and inside on quarterbacks, and we'll ask him all about Justin Fields and how he would handle that situation and whether or not Justin Fields is worthy of starting and what his philosophy is. So I'm looking very forward to that and our Bears conversation coming up in about 10 minutes from right now. But we're talking about the White Sox, who are hosting Detroit tonight, and mean Mercedes, and trying to figure out what has gone wrong with him, oh, for his last 22, the guy that has watched every single at-bat of mean Mercedes, is Steve Stone, part of NBC Sports Chicago. So let's listen to what Stoney says about the breaking down of Mercedes' swing and his at-bats.
2: There's something that comes into play, especially for mean, and that is if he keeps swinging at pitchers' pitches, If he keeps putting the bat on the ball on pitches that are way down out of the strike zone, that are four inches outside, that are face high on fastballs, if he keeps doing that, he's not going to hit. I don't care how well he started off. This league, as I told you, this league will adjust to him, and they have. And they have by they get ahead. He takes really healthy cuts. Many times pitches are out of the zone and he finds himself on a couple of strikes. And then he falls off about six pitches of which five are out of the strike zone. You can't be swinging at those because if you get yourself in situations where you're ahead in the count, then you've got to come in the strike zone. And as your mean has started not to hit, that strike zone has gotten bigger and bigger. That plate is 17 inches. If you make a pitcher Let's say, let's say the ump gives you an inch on either side, okay? So it's a 19-inch plate you have to defend. Well, that's fine. If you can do that, if you can get a pitcher to throw you pitches in those 19 inches, you're going to be able to hit. Your mean can hit, he always has. But he can hit if he hits strikes. He's not going to hit in the major leagues if he keeps swinging at everything. And if he takes a look, and you know they do, they watch video with Frank Medicino all the time, he's going to take a look at how they're getting him out. They're not getting him out in the strike zone. They're getting him out consistently out of the strike zone because he's swinging at everything. He, he fouls off pitches that are five inches inside. You can't be swinging at those pitches. Some of them are going to hit you, but also you can't possibly put him in play. So staying alive on those pitches is useless because what difference does it make? If you can't hit him and you can't put him in play, what good is staying alive? How about, and I know this is a radical philosophy, how about not swinging at him? That's probably a good thing. When he stops swinging at everything, he'll start hitting again.
1: Yes! Yes! That's it. It is a novel idea. You cannot swing at you as it turns out, you're not Vladimir Guerrero. Yes, you have proven yourself to be your mean Mercedes, a good, a decent. All right, let's let, let's bring it down another notch. Average bad ball hitter. You're not Vladimir Guerrero, so I am so down with what Steve Stone is saying there. Take a pitch every once in a while. Don't have to swing at everything cuz as it turns out, you're not going to hit everything if you continue to swing at everything. So hopefully the necessary adjustments are being made and that there is another that there is still more life to the Jermaine Mercedes star story, I don't think he's going anywhere. Like, I don't think there's going to be a complete collapse. I think he will get hot again, and he will be part of this team throughout the whole year. But he's, he's got to take a couple pitches. There's no doubt about it. And that was Steve Stone of NBC Sports Chicago. But he was on the Lawrence Holmes show earlier this week on the, the Score. All right, coming up next. Bears. Talk a lot of Bears. Let's talk a lot of Justin Fields. Let's talk to Marty Morningweg, the former Detroit Lions head coach. Next, it's Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?